Coming up on this episode of the Retirement Pathfinder, we have a good one for you as we look ahead to the end of the year. What planning items do you need to be taking care of now? What what opportunities will expire by the end of the year? We'll talk through some of those today, give you some items to be discussing with your financial advisor and taking care of before we turn the page to 2024. That's coming up next here on the podcast. In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Welcome in to the show. I am Ben George along with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky over at Pathfinder Wealth Management. we got a good show for you today. I know you might be getting caught up in the holidays that are coming up. I know we have a lot coming up with Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it seems like everything goes by quickly, but we do want to take some time to look at our financial plan and some opportunities that might exist before the end of the year. So today on the show, we're going to go through some of those with you and uh, provide you some opportunities to think through and discussions you might want to have with your financial advisor. But again, if you want to talk with us, we'd love to hear from you. Pathfinderchat.com is the best place to get in touch with Barbara and Phil just to get on their calendar, set up a meeting, and you find a time that works for you and you're good to go. But if you want to call, you can do so at 815-399-9888. Zero six. So let's jump into it. Some end of year planning items for you to pay attention to. Let's begin with uh, tax loss harvesting. Yeah, tax loss harvesting is a very interesting topic, Ben. Uh, very, very few people know about it. But before I really delve into that, I want to talk about a few things regarding tax planning. It never ceases to amaze us how ill-informed our folks are when it comes to tax planning opportunities, and why should they be? There's only, what, 75,000 pages of tax code? (laughs) Okay, so how are they (laughs) going to keep up with it? But because they don't know some of the basics, they're losing literally thousands of dollars that they could otherwise save in taxes legally, and that's important. But why is this happening? Well, it's because the financial services industry, our business, has done a lousy job, a poor job, in educating clients with regard to tax planning opportunities. And we see it all the time. You know, recently, uh, a fella came in from uh, one of our classes uh, seeking some tax uh, planning opportunities. But this person was not aware, and this person had a sizable account, but was not aware that they didn't have to take their RMD this year. It's mm-hmm. been suspended for one year based on the latest tax law changes. And so their current advisor didn't advise them or advise him about the fact he could skip the RMD this year. So uh, because his advisor didn't inform him about the RMD, he also didn't point out the fact that uh, there was some tax loss harvesting opportunities in the account. That person could go ahead and take some money out of the account at a zero tax rate in replacement or in the place of taking an RMD, take at zero tax for a good part of it. Actually, zero tax for up to $80,000 of tax gain, Barb. $80,000, zero taxes on that and the rest at 15%. And because he didn't take his RMD, that RMD would have, would have costed him uh, 40%, 40% is what that RMD would have uh, had to cost him in taxes, 40% tax. So it saved him 40% tax, and he had part of his distribution on the capital gains portion of the account at zero tax. Unbelievable. So why didn't the advisor tell him about this? Well, quite frankly, because a lot of the big firms forbid their advisors from giving what they call tax advice. 
Well, that's a travesty. It's a it cop really out, is. isn't it? It's a cop out, and uh, it's one of the most important parts of of the education planning process that we use with our clients. We have to help them understand that you can lose thousands of dollars in taxes post retirement if they don't know the rules. And we don't give tax advice. We don't prepare taxes here. We don't give tax advice, but the tax information that we give to our clients is incidental to the entire planning process to include our educational formats and retirement income planning process. So now getting back to the idea of of tax loss harvesting, what is it? Well, it's the practice of selling stocks or mutual funds in taxable accounts. Now notice I say taxable accounts, that would be non-IRAs, non-qualified accounts, in taxable accounts that have lost value since they bought those investments against positions that are increasing in capital gains. So we have losses being offset by gains. And if we do this properly, mathematically, you can end up paying zero taxes on, and it's called tax loss harvesting. We take from the ones that have lost against the ones that have gained. So let's give you an example. Joe needs income in 2021, and he wants to go ahead and sell some positions in his non-IRA. Now, notice I say non-IRA. You can't do this with an IRA or a qualified plan. It's got to be a non-IRA. So he holds some positions that have lost value since the purchase of those particular positions. He also has other positions that are up since the purchase. So by selling the long-term losses against the long-term gains, one will cancel the other. So if Joe needs $30,000, he calculates basically how much the one is against the other. The loss positions are against the gain positions. He sells them both and zeroes out the tax. And now there's some very important rules that you have to follow if you're going to use tax loss harvesting strategies. <clears throat> Number one, long-term losses against short-term gains. If you do that, if you hold positions less than a year and you sell your long-term gains against losses or vice versa, realize this, that you can only deduct up to $3,000 of that loss in that year. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then if you have more than $3,000 of loss, that's carried over from year to year. You have to remember to do that. Right, Barb? Right. Yeah. You have good records or your accountant hopefully should be taking care of that. Hopefully. Yes. And so, you know, if you had $30,000 in losses, you could literally go 10 years uh, before that would be all all upset. So really we want to do long-term losses against long-term gains, short-term losses against short-term gains. So number two, watch out for what's called the wash sale rule where you cannot repurchase the same or similar stock or funds within a 30-day period of time from the day that you uh, basically implement this tax loss harvest strategy. So 30 days prior to or 30 days after, it's a prohibitive arrangement. You can't do that. And number three, remember that with our positions for our clients, just because the portfolio is down doesn't mean that you should take a tax loss opportunity. Why? Because we're diversified. We understand that there's going to be some positions that are temporarily down. And those will switch. Those will come up as time right. goes down, goes on. So you don't want to arbitrarily just go ahead and sell loss positions because it could defeat the entire strategy we have regarding the diversification aspect. Right. Reverse correlation is there for a reason. You know, um, ETFs and index funds typically don't distribute capital gains as often as mutual funds do. Right. So our investors are in portfolios with ETFs and index funds because they are the most efficient. Um, I was, uh, when you're talking about taxes, I was just interesting because I had met uh, not so much for a tax loss harvesting opportunity, but with a, I met with a client last week and she sold a piece of property and had an $80,000 gain and she's not real in, in reinvesting in real estate. So it is taxable. 
less her expenses and, you know, any kind of uh, depreciation, et cetera. And although capital gains is taxed less than ordinary income, depending on how much income you have for the year, you may not pay tax on any on any of the gain at all, like you had mentioned, Phil. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a great opportunity there. Well, in her case, it looks like she may pay capital gains tax on about $56,000 of that $80,000 gain. But that's at 15% compared to her other income, which is taxed as ordinary income. Well, she was a little bit disappointed. And I said, well, look at it that you had a gain. So basically an $80,000 gain, it looks like she's going to end up paying about $8,400 in taxes. She could have had a loss in the property and walked away with zero. So I said, you know, be happy because you you made a profit. Yeah. I, how can you complain about making a profit? You know, right. uh, you can never be criticized by taking your gains off the table. You know what I mean? It's it's just a position that uh, that you're, you're you're very favored in. And so, yes, that's important. And so uh, let's be aware of the fact that tax loss harvesting is a strategy. But rather than you trying to do it on your own, give us a call. If you right. need income for the upcoming year, let us figure out from a tax standpoint what's going to be to your advantage. Hey there, just a quick break from the podcast for a moment to tell you how Barb and Phil are assisting clients every day in the office with some effective tax savings opportunities under the latest Secure Act 2.0 legislation. If you want to find out how much you could save, give them a call and schedule a free 15-minute initial consultation. Call 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com. That's pathfinderchat.com and schedule your visit with just a few clicks. We'll also put the contact info in this episode's show notes. Now, back to the show. Um, all right, next up, I know this time of year, everybody's thinking about uh, giving and, uh, and trying to help out others as well. Hopefully you're doing that throughout the year, but I know this is kind of the season of giving. But you, know, you think often about charitable contributions um, and people are looking to make those this time of year. I guess it's important to really evaluate your options and just think about the tax planning aspect of it, right? Well, exactly. You know, Ben, um, the first comment I want to make is is this, that the United States of America is the most generous nation in the world when it comes to charitable giving. You know, we give not in order to take a tax deduction mm-hmm. for it, you know, although that can be a side benefit, but it's because we believe in meeting the needs of other people. We, we want to meet the needs of other folks out there, whether they're people in the local community uh, or in the nation or even in the world. You know, we are a wealthy people, a wealthy nation, and even the most uh, impoverished people, the people at the poverty level, according to the government here, are richer than 90% of of the other population in the rest of the world. So let's talk about the tax deductibility of contributions. So prior to the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017, most people would have to file a Schedule A in order to itemize contributions for the deduction. But the latest Tax Cut and Jobs Act, what it did, it doubled the standard deduction. So for single filers, it went from 6500 up to 12400 And for married filing jointly, it went from 12000 to 24800 That's the standard deduction. So for most people, they don't need to itemize their contributions. So a lot of these charitable institutions looked at that barb and said, well, gosh, will this be a disincentive? For people to give because they're not able to write it off on their taxes any longer. Well, not necessarily. Uh, there's some oh, anecdotal evidence out there that says, well, that's probably the case, but there's nothing really clear that says that there has been a drop in the, in the contributions to private contributions to institutions like churches and Salvation Army, that type of thing. 
People don't usually give for their for a write off. They, they don't give for a write off. Really they don't give. They give because they want to be generous right. with their with their wealth, with what they've been blessed with. So, getting back to contributions, though, here are a few things that you can do for the charitable year. First of all, you may want to consider giving appreciable assets rather than cash. So, if you have stocks or mutual funds that have gone up in value or land. You can go ahead and give that. Now, we recommend do not sell it first because if you sell the position yeah. first, you have to pay the taxes, then you make the contribution on the net amount. So you only get a portion of that for taxability advantage. So we recommend that you, you give it directly to the institution. Make sure that you take all the value that you can as far as the tax deduction is concerned. So the other thing is that if you're age seven and a half, you can give part of your IRA directly to a uh, charity through something called a QCD. It's called Qualified Charitable Distribution. And so what that means is that you can go ahead and, and gift that directly from, it's gifted directly from your custodian, whether it's Schwab or TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, Vanguard, whoever it might be, it can go directly from that particular institution, that custodian to the charitable institution. Now, what is the biggest tax advantage by doing this? Well, if you do that, then the IRA distribution doesn't show up on your income for tax purposes. Now that's advantage number one. But the other thing is that it won't pull other income in for taxability. So your mm -hmm. social security won't be taxed and your capital gains won't be taxed. Other sources of income, rental income will not be included or taxed because you took that IRA to yourself. That's a huge advantage, mm -hmm. huge advantage. <laughs> so here's some rules that you have to follow in order to do this successfully. Number one, uh, you have to be at least age 70 and a half to do this. Number two, the contribution must go directly from the custodian, such as Schwab or TD Ameritrade or whoever, to the charity. It shouldn't be made out in a check directly to you. If that happens, Barb, then I'll bet they're off. Yeah, it's included in your income. Number three, you could contribute up to $100,000 per person. So if you're married filing jointly, that's $200,000 that you can actually gift away that way through QCD. And number four, it must be done before December 31st of the year. So bear these particular rules in mind if you're thinking about doing charitable end of year contributions. Yeah, I had clients that were still doing, uh, they were doing QCDs before this year and continued this year. So they, uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know, that really didn't, didn't uh, sway them at all. The one thing I want to mention is be careful that your charity of choice will qualify. Oh, yes. You know, your church will, 501c3s will qualify. Donor motivation funds do not. Private foundations and supporting organizations do not. And like Phil said, these are you can you can start these chair these qualified charitable deductions at age seventy and a half. It's interesting because the IRS had uh, coordinated the seventy and a half rule with the first required beginning date to take money from your IRAs with qualified charitable deductions. And uh, so don't confuse this with the RMD age because that just changed to seventy two. But qualified charitable deductions did not. Those can begin at age 70 and a half. Do you have a written retirement plan? If not, you're not alone. Many people put off planning for their future thinking they have plenty of time. But the truth is time flies and it's never too early to start planning for your retirement. Pathfinder Wealth Management can help. Their team of experts, including Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky, who you hear on the show, can guide you through the planning process and save you valuable time. And with their commitment to education, you'll learn how to set yourself up for success. Book a 15-minute chat with them today by visiting pathfinderchat.com. Don't procrastinate any longer. Your retirement is too important to leave to chance. Visit pathfinderchat.com 
or check the link in the description of today's show. Our final one on the list of tasks to put on your list here before the year ends and also some things to think about into the new year. Determine if that Roth conversion makes sense for you. And I think this is something that's come up quite a bit, I think, for clients and for people that are uh, considering it. Yeah, the thing is, that's a good question, Ben, because Phil and I talk a lot about Roth conversions, actually, on our podcast. You know, it's, they're not for everyone. No. And, you know, it's, there's a couple of reasons when it doesn't make sense. But the, the short answer to that question is it depends. It depends on your age, your sources of income, and most important is where you think taxes are headed in the future. Do you think they'll be lower or higher than they are today? And it also depends on when and if you need to access the Roth in retirement. And if so, when would that be? So I recently discussed a Roth conversion with one of my clients and found that he wanted to access the Roth right away withdraw and withdraw mm. the money for income needs in retirement. And that is a reason to not convert. So there's no advantage to putting money into the Roth if you're going to need it right away. So there's a couple of reasons when it wouldn't make sense. And first of all, if you already have high income, it doesn't make sense to do a conversion because you're already in a higher tax bracket and then you're withdrawing money, which is going to put you in a high, which keep you in that higher tax bracket and you're already paying taxes at the highest rate. And secondly, if you're in the required minimum distribution age, 72 now of life, since you cannot convert your required distribution, you'd have to withdraw more money and that additional money you withdraw can be converted to a Roth. But at this stage of life, it may not make sense to do so. So the best time to convert to a Roth IRA is between ages 59 and a half to 72. You can convert before age 59 and a half to a Roth, but there's a couple of rules to be aware of. And again, we don't want to uh, you know, beat this to death, but, but it, it seems to come up every time we talk to folks, Barb, about uh, how people get confused between a conversion Roth and a contribution Roth. Similar. Yeah, they're very similar. I mean, they sound the same, but yeah. one is, uh, you know, the contribution Roth is where you can put money away for yourself while you're in the workforce. Your earning income, W-2, 1099 income, whatever it is, self-employed income. Uh, but once you stop working, you can no longer contribute to a uh, Roth contribution account. But the Roth conversion account can be done anytime for any amount of money because Uncle Sam will certainly be happy to take all of the tax money up front if you decide you want to convert to a a Roth conversion account. Yeah, I don't see them doing away with the, with the Roth because I've been asked that. It, uh, it doesn't make sense to me from the standpoint that the IRS is getting all their money up front. You know, they don't have to wait for it. Right. But, um, you know, anything, they can't go back and tax what you've converted or contributed because you've already paid tax on that. The only question would be the, the gain on the account. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Some end of the year items to pay attention to. Make sure that you are thinking through and deciding whether or not you need to take any actions and what adjustments you need to make before the end of the year. And again, a lot of this uh, is done in just a couple of months. So you want to make sure you take care of these while you have the time. If you want to work with a financial professional to do so, that's always encouraged. You can get in touch with Barbara and Phil at Pathfinder Wealth Management. By going to pathfinderchat.com, you can get on their calendar, set up a meeting and a time to talk through not only these end-of-year items, but also just looking ahead towards your retirement and begin that planning process in a comprehensive fashion. The phone number as well, if you prefer to call, is 815-399-9806. Thanks again to Barbara and Phil, as always, for their time. Thanks to you for listening to the show once again. Please subscribe wherever you listen. We'll be back with a new episode soon. Take care.
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.